vampires, meanies, and rapper raindrop? I know what you're thinking. Rich, are you going off your rocker? What in the world are you talking about? I'm talking about discovering the world by reading local. Local authors. There are so many great authors out there, and we miss a lot of the local ones. And since I started doing this, I've been surprised, of course, of how many local authors there are. Well, there's a group that I have on, and we are talking about the Read Local Challenge. And I want to thank Kelly Ann White. I had Kelly on the podcast before talking about her book, The Legend of the Fairy Stones, and basically her background and what she has done. And actually, before, you know what, Kelly actually said something very... um, God, how can I explain this? It, uh, I want to say, first of all, I want to thank Kelly. I'll just play it. Kelly gave me a little testimonial before we started. She talked to the other authors that we have on this podcast, and this is what she said. First of all, thank you so much for coming. I know a lot of you traveled really far. Uh, second, I want to let you know, after I did my podcast with you, um, I've gotten a lot of attention around Harford County, so I would recommend that you contact the Barnes & Noble in Bel Air and tell them that you did the podcast, and they will probably pick your book up. Mm-hmm. Um, they did that for me. And also, um, the Harford County Public Library System picked my book up. So I would definitely recommend that you, each of you make those two phone calls. Which Barnes & Noble did you say? Barnes & Noble in Bel Air. Bel Air. Uh, they picked up my book after the podcast. Harford County Public Library System picked it up and it's been checked out consistently from all the branches since the podcast aired so of course i want to thank kelly for that so in this episode of harford county living brian godfrey joined me and we had six local authors and we all sat around talking about the read local challenge and of course we also talked about how they got into it uh into writing and some other things uh of course we talked about vampires Meanies, which um, I'd never heard of, but you're going to be surprised when you hear about them. And I think you're even going to be more shocked when you find out about rapper Raindrop. No, not a real rapper. It's one of the authors, but that's the nickname that her students gave her. Because, well, um, you know what? You listen and you'll find out. This is the Harford County Living Show, voted as Harford County's favorite local podcast, introducing you to local businesses, organizations, artists, musicians, and more. Harford County Living, there's no place like it. Here's your host, Rich Bennett. I'd like to welcome everybody to Harford County Living. We are sitting here today, Brian Godfrey and myself. We have, oh wow, one, two, three, four, five, six authors with us they are taking part in a thing that's called the read local challenge uh, which has been going on for four years now yes what i'm going to do is i'll go around the table and have each one introduce themselves and the one who i hope you all remember she's been on the podcast before and that's kelly ann white and i'll just have each of you tell who you are how you got into it and some of the books you've written i am kelly ann white i am author of the legend of the fairy stones uh, the Bible Adventure Book of Scavenger Hunts, and several other books for children. And I also 
Emmy Book Editor. I ed have edited books for HarperCollins, Kirkus Media, Callisto Media, Guidepost Books, and many other publishers. You just need a whole book to keep track of everything. That's only scratching the surface. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and next to you we have... Hi, um, I'm Deborah Kalb. Um, I've written two children's books so far, the third one coming out next year. They're part of a series. Um, the first one's called George Washington and the Magic Hat, and the second one is John Adams and the Magic Bobblehead. So you may see a theme there of early presidents. They're um, basically fiction, but they're about kids in the present day who time travel back to the time of the early presidents and have various adventures while also dealing with present day concerns that they have. So it's, it goes back and forth between the present and the past. All right. Did somebody steal your idea, the, the movie Abe Lincoln, Vampire Hunter? <laughs> that was you, wasn't it? Uh-huh, now the truth is coming out. <laughs> I'm Katia Reyna, and I have written a whole bunch of manuscripts, and I'm writing more. But the one book that is published so far is my debut novel called Castle of Concrete. And it's set in uh, Soviet Russia in around 1990s, the perestroika time. Uh, and it features a young teenager, a daughter of a Jewish dissident, who falls in love with a young man who may be anti-Semitic. i got to ask you, not, you know, because I'm not too bright. That's why I dropped out. <laughs> what is a manuscript? <laughs> I'm sorry. What's what, what is a manuscript? A manuscript. I've heard it all the time, but what, it, what, what is a manuscript, actually? Right. That word is tossed around a lot. But a manuscript is a book in the making, a book that might not become a published book ever. Oh. So it's a story. Um, writers, that's what writers crank out, you know, in their free time. Really? Yep. <laughs> that's the then. idea. <laughs> I'm a writer didn't even know it. So I, yeah. I always just call them rough drafts. Um, <laughs> or it could be, a, you know, a 30th draft. Could be a rough draft, could be a 30th. Depends. So that's what a manuscript actually that's is. What a manuscript I never is. knew that. Before it becomes published. And then this book is my debut novel, and it's like between the covers. So. Well, people are listening there and saying, wow, Rich, you're a real idiot. But <laughs> I had no idea. When I edit books for publishers, I'm editing the manuscript. I'm not editing a, a designed, um, it's not in layout or design. It's just typed written pages. So it's not a book until it's actually published. Oh, right. Yeah. Pretty really? much. Yeah. <laughs> I I never I never realized that. Okay, I'm done. I'm walking out. You guys handle it now. <laughs> um, my name is Rachel Kohler, and I'm the author of the picture book Mother Ghost: Nursery Rhymes for Little Monsters. It's a collection <laughs> of 13 classic nursery rhymes with Halloween twists. So we're in the I perfect time of year for it. I love um, that. Mary, Mary, tall and scary. Wee Willie Werewolf. Just <laughs> combining my love of rhyme and my love of Halloween into one. Beautiful little Frankenstein monster. <laughs> I love that. That is Thank cool. You. We're good. well, Brian. You're not an author, so that's true. I, I'm still confused on where to put commas. So <laughs> <laughs> hoping I'll figure that out here. We today. have great debates about that. Yeah. Oh yeah, editorial community. <laughs> I'm Veronica Bartles. I'm also still figuring out where to put commas. <laughs> but I have it's not just me. <laughs> I have great critique partners that remind me when to put the comma in. Um, I write both young adult novels and picture books. Um, my, I have one of each published so far. My young adult novel is Twelve Steps. 
about a girl who's tired of living in the shadow of her perfect older sister and decides she needs a 12-step program for second-class siblings. And my book that's featured in this year's Read Local Challenge is my picture book, The Princess and the Frogs, about a princess who wants a frog, but she keeps kissing them goodnight and ends up with a castle full of princes instead. (laughs) And unfortunately, princes are not pets. That's fantastic. I was going to say, I bet she's got a headache too, right? (laughs) Oh, yes. Uh, I'm Tim Young. Uh, I'm the author and illustrator of 11 uh, picture books, and I have uh, illustrated two others for other authors. Um, Some of the titles are uh, The Angry Little Puffin and uh, a recent sequel called If You Give the Puffin a Muffin. Um, (laughs) I also have probably my best-known book is uh, I Hate Picture Books. (laughs) <laughs> and my hey, why are you getting dirty looks right now? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and my latest book is titled Untitled. <laughs> the title is Untitled. The title, title is, is actually called untitled. untitled. Yes, it is. It's it's very strange. That's actually pretty brilliant. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so, all right, let me go back around. I'll start with you, Tim. How long have you actually been writing, and what what made you get into it? I started seriously trying to get books published a little over 12 years ago. Um, I, uh, I've worked for many years in different industries that are mostly childlike industries. I've worked in animation, I've worked uh, oh, wow. uh, in the toy industry designing and, and sculpting toy prototypes. I was design director for two different toy companies. Um, and I always had these ideas, but see I'm more a visual person, I'm a, you know, a, an artist who figured out how to write because mm-hmm. I spent years thinking up ideas, but I always thought I would do the pictures and someone else would come along and say, oh, that's a great idea, I'll write the words. And that guy never showed up. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So I finally got the confidence to try to you know, give it a, a try. And I got very lucky because when I, I was just starting out trying to write books, I met a guy who had a couple of books published at Random House, and he wanted me to work on one of his projects. And uh, he said, oh, I'll get you a meeting with my editor at Random House. And I got to go up to Random House and pitch a whole bunch of ideas to an editor in her office up in New York City. Oh, wow. And through the back and forth of the meeting, um, what she really liked was my logo. You you saw it before, my Creatures and Characters company. She kept looking at my logo, which was on the bottom of every page, saying, like, I really love your logo. And finally said, I want to do a book that looks like your logo. And I didn't have one that looked like my logo, so I drove home. And on my drive from New York back to Maryland, I was in the car. Well, what can I do with these silhouetted characters that are on my logo? Well, maybe I could do a bunch of monsters. Um, so I'm looking for an idea about monsters. Oh, I'm looking for a monster. I kind of like that as a title. And I wrote that in my head on the drive home and sent it to her two weeks later. And she said, that's the book I wanted. And wow. it came out a year later. So uh, I got very lucky with my, with my first book, Lightning Kind of Struck. And uh, so now I've been published for just over 10 years and uh, and 13 books. So. I take it you carry a voice recorder with you? I, Actually, I have a very good memory because really? okay. I've, I've now written three books in, in long drives. So <laughs> <laughs> It didn't record nothing down? No, no. Got to where I was going and started writing. <laughs> Man, I forget everything by the time I get up out of my chair. <laughs> now, hey, correct me if I'm wrong, but... You all, this is the first time really you guys have actually met each other, right? Or a majority of Mostly, 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 yes, that's true. I I know everybody because (laughs) I'm the director of the Read Local Challenge. Okay. I was going to say, because if any of you have any questions for each other, feel free to chime in. I think we've all emailed each other, but we haven't. 
Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. different when you meet each it other is. in person. I'm really it's happy very to true. meet everybody. Too. I mean, you and I have known each other forever, but you know, the first part, you, I mean, I had a million questions for you and still have a million more, but no. Uh, <laughs> Veronica, okay. <laughs> Same question for you. How, how long have you been doing it? How did you get started? Um, well, I, when I was in second grade, we had a class assignment to write a story to be submitted to the Wyoming Young Authors Contest. I grew up in Wyoming, and I wrote, I wrote a story, you know, took a, you know, just jotted something down, and, and my mom looked at it and said, no, you can do better, and she made me revise and revise <laughs> and revise, and that was my first experience working with an editor. <laughs> I was going to say, did your mother used to write? Um, s sort of. Okay. Uh, she has textbooks published, but, um, yeah, she, she kept hand marking it up and handing it back to me and telling me you can do better. And I was so frustrated. All my friends had turned in theirs and, and I was still working on mine. And I finally finished and turned it in and I ended up winning second place in the whole state of Wyoming. Oh, Wow. And so the judges understood you were waiting on your editor, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it felt good to be, I felt like a celebrity. Right. And I, I decided then that that meant I was going to be a famous author one day. And I was so determined. I was so cocky about it that I started signing scraps of paper for my friends and told them, hold on to this. It'll be worth millions one day when I'm more famous than Dr. Seuss. <laughs> and um, and I, I went to the school store every week and I bought one of each of the pretty pencils that they had. And I told all my friends that I was not even going to sharpen these pencils until I was ready to write my first book that was going to be published. And so I just kept them on my desk for years and years and years. And um, then when I graduated from college, I got scared because that someday that was far in the future was mm -hmm. suddenly now and right. and I had my George McFly moment you know what if they say <laughs> get out of here kid yep. you've got no talent I don't think I can take that kind of rejection and so I took my pretty pencils that had been on my desk as inspiration forever and I put them in a pouch in a pencil pouch and I tucked them in the back of my drawer and I did not write a single word for 10 years wow and um, until I met a an author who had been on the New York Times bestselling list several times over and and I was talking to him and I was like, he's not he's he's not like any different than I am. Right. So I went home and I sharpened my first pencil and I started writing and I wrote a manuscript and I was so proud of myself and I showed it to my friends and one of them said, Wow when I read a book, I like it to actually say something and not just be 50,000 words to be 50,000 words. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Please don't say that the pencils went back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was really oh. tempting to put those pencils away again, but oh. I had promised all of all of the kids in my second grade class that when I sharpened these pencils, that meant I was writing the book that was going to be published. So I had to keep I right. had to keep going and so I kept going and kept going and and eventually um, wrote my first 
wow. my first novel that was published, and then. Did you send it to these wow. people, or was it just the one person that said, "I don't want to read just five thousand words"? Um, no, there were a few that were like, "Yeah, this is not any good," and they were right because I was starting the story in the wrong place. Right. I hadn't established the characters before everything fell apart on them, and so nobody cared about those characters. Um, and uh, I ended up, I ended up actually, I gave up on that manuscript, and I started writing. It was the story of a girl who just didn't understand how other people saw her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I loved it, and I got to the point where I was getting. I would send it to agents and editors, and I kept getting rejections that were, oh, I love this. I love the story. I love the plot. I love the pacing. I love the characters. It's not for me. And I was like, well, what else is there to fix? (laughs) And so I gave up on that, and I ended up, just for kicks and giggles, I wrote The Little Sister's Story from that, and that actually became my, my first published novel. So, So aren't you glad you didn't give up? Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or let me rephrase it. Aren't you glad that you got back into it? Yes. And didn't give up. I mean, and, and fun fact, the working title from that manuscript that I gave up on um, inspired my picture book as well. Because that one was, the that first novel I was called Kissing Frogs. And, and it made me start thinking, well, what if she didn't want a prince? And that's where my picture book came from, so... All right, explain something to me. So with a picture book, you're not drawing pictures, are you? You have an illustrator, or how's that work? Some talented people like Tim right. <laughs> do both, but yeah, my my fingers are not artistic. I okay. have I have a great artistic mind, and I let someone else do the pictures. Um, my book was illustrated by Sarah Palacios, who is amazing, and she's won awards, and she's... Yeah, I, I've, I've gone to schools and libraries and with my book, and people have seen her name on the cover. And <gasps> have you met her in person? And I haven't yet, but she's. How long has that book, book been out, The Princess and the Frogs? It came out at the very, very end of 2016, so it's been. Is that in some of the school libraries or something? Because yes. the cover looks very familiar. Yes. Yeah, it's. Okay. It's been in some. It's it's in several of the school and public libraries in this area. Very good. So. Rachel. <laughs> I was just kind of with the, the illustrator thing. My illustrator lives in France, so I've definitely <laughs> never <Same>. met him. <laughs> yeah. Nice trip to go for on then. Oh, that would be a yeah, good yeah. excuse for a business trip, maybe. Hmm. Yeah. Right off. <laughs> <laughs> <Definitely>. <laughs> now, how did you get started? Um, well, like Veronica, I've known that I wanted to be a writer since I was really little. Um, when in first grade, you know, you get the, the assignment to write your spelling words into sentences and everything, and I would always take my spelling sentences and arrange them into stories. Uh, and that was just something that I really loved and really enjoyed doing and just kept writing for fun all the way through school. Um, and I, I started getting serious about getting published um, probably around college. I started trying to find... Um, uh, markets for short stories because at that point I was writing science fiction and fantasy and horror adults, um, short stories for adults. 
and it and I, I still enjoyed writing, but there was just something that wasn't clicking, and it, there were and I was I was having trouble kind of going from that that short form to trying to stretch out into a novel, and so I was I was wondering you know exactly what it was that was missing, and then I was ar around that time you know young adults started getting big, you started getting Harry Potter wrapping up, Hunger Games, it was really coming into its own as a genre, and I was you know it came onto my radar. And I was, you know, thinking about it, and like I really enjoy stuff like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Supernatural and oh. things like that that really wear their emotions on their sleeve and have big feelings and aren't ashamed of their big feelings. And adult fiction tends to be more ashamed of its big feelings. It's more subdued, and that's that's not the kind of thing that I like to do. Um, so I started trying to write a young adult novel, and it worked a lot better than any of my adult stuff had. Um, it's still a manuscript, kind of going back to that, you know, manuscripts being both the not-published books, and it's still, you know, trying to find its home. Um, but that opened me up to the idea of writing for a younger audience and not thinking of myself as just being this, you know, adult science fiction and fantasy writer. So um, around that time, um, my oldest child uh, was three years old then, which is, feels like forever now. Um, <laughs> but he was going through a big uh, Mother Goose phase, you know, like they do. And we were reading a Mother Goose all the time, and so we love Halloween at our house and have Halloween decorations everywhere, you know, sometimes even when it's not Halloween. And so, <laughs> just, uh, just to make him laugh, I started kind of taking some of this, this Mother Goose stuff and making it be about Halloween and coming up with the, oh, Mary, Mary, tall and scary, how does your graveyard grow? And so my, uh, you know, and, and my husband said, you know, I, I, I know you think of yourself as you know, mostly doing YA, but these, these are actually really cute. You should maybe think about you know, writing them down and doing a picture book with them. And I didn't know anything about picture books, but I started looking into that and you know, writing them down and just, just coming up with these, you know, these, these cute rhymes to make my son laugh. And it, it was a really, a really lucky thing. I found Sleeping Bear, who apparently also loved, Sleeping Bear Press, my publisher, who apparently also really loves, you know, silly goofy nursery rhymes about <laughs> Halloween and so now I'm I'm kind of going more toward the the picture book and young adult audience rather than adult and that's really that's where I'm happy so. with the young adults does it seem like at least from what I've seen from my daughter and all her friends more of them are into this supernatural scary stuff it, I know there is a large market for that. There is also the the stuff that's more realistic. So like you know, John Green, um, Sarah Dessen. There are people who do the more the more realistic writing. The ones you hear about do definitely tend to be like you know your your Harry Potter's, your Hunger Games, your Cree Warden. I don't know what the um, like the actual market looks like. Like you have a a realistic fiction. I'm, right. I'm pointing at Katja. Historical, realistic, yeah. But I think it does depend a lot. Um, I also have a teenage daughter who reads okay. widely, and she loves fantasy series. Like she's just gonna keep reading these forever. But then again, like if it's a great sci-fi or if it's a great realistic romance, like right. she'll devour that too. So there's, I think, room for lots of, mm -hmm. you know, all kinds of stories in YA. It also depends on their taste. But, like, supernatural, dark stuff is definitely big with them because um, big emotions, like you said. Yeah. See, and I've seen my daughter and her friends watching this stuff, and I thought they were just watching it for the guys, you know, to be honest. Right? Well, come on, face okay. it. Most of the women watch the show Supernatural because of the guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. That's what I thought. That's not so, the case. <laughs> but, but then when I see them start reading the books and they have... I can't even, 
I don't even know the name of the series, but it's like they have the, the whole series of these books about vampires and everything, which I, God, when I was young, I'd be free to read anything like that. Yeah, but vampires have changed. They're they're well, not, yeah. they're not <laughs> the monstery things. They're usually you know sexy, hot vampires. I think, yeah. so. I think the success of the Twilight series just kicked That's off a whole uh, slew of supernatural. That's uh, true for YA. But That's I, true. But I think it's also been played out at this point because mm-hmm. if, absolutely I, because I can see a trend now where publishers are actually saying no vampire stories accepted but that's a trend it's always changing yeah mm-hmm. except i think i think there's still a need and desire for it i think it's it's played out among the the privileged white folk but there's you know the lip latina well you can still do a lot with it yeah. it's a trend yeah. and it, you know, things are constantly changing in publishing, but I think I, I've seen many, many publishers now that are literally putting up notes that uh, in YA that say no vampire stories. Please don't submit vampire stories. <laughs> yeah. uh, but that, but they'll never do away with vampire stories forever. Let's face it. So yeah. it'll trend back in. Um, but I think for now, publishers are feeling it's a little played out. So there you yeah, go, Deborah. By the time you get to your book about thing. Abraham Lincoln, it may be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. And also, YA has been so revolutionary, revolutionary lately, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just been kind of mind bending. And you can take these vampire stories, and you can just shift and twist it, and you can yeah. feature more different characters that from different backgrounds, and you can do so much with it that does not need to look like Twilight, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's that too. Thank you. <laughs> so my story started in Russia because this is where I'm from. Okay. And um, as a kid, I was just this really weird, um, kind of an oddball person, little person. And I didn't always have a lot of friends, so I made them up through stories in my head. And I would a lot of times just walk around and just make up, you know, I could go for hours, just walk around the parks, the construction sites, uh, all kinds of places and just like keep making up stories and to a point where like nothing else mattered. So it would make sense that then I started actually putting these down on paper at some point. Um, and then I came, when I came to America, I was 15 years old, 16 years old, which was about the age of my protagonist of my novel, Sonia. And I became, a, um, while well, I went to college, I became a journalist. And then uh, when my kids were in school, they were little, well, I'm sorry, when my kids were little, and I wanted to, I felt like I wanted to spend more time with them, just like raising them, and journalists, the journalist gig was just too much. I kind of was home, they were little, so I'm like, okay, I've got all this energy, what am I gonna do? And this is where that love for storytelling started coming back, and this is where I actually enrolled in my first fiction writing course, and I started writing fiction. So I started writing with like um, preschool level stuff, um, picture books, because that's where my, my kids were little, so this is what I was doing. But very quickly, I saw myself gravitate toward young adults teen, um, the tortured romance, the big emotions, <laughs> as was said previously. And so I started looking back to like, where were my big emotions? And it brought me back to my own teenage years growing up in Russia during a lot of political chaos where um, communism was falling apart and, you know, Russia was kind of trying to figure out what was next for right. it. And at the same time as a teen, I was trying to figure out, okay, I'm no longer this kid, who am I now? And at the same time, I, there was this, I, had, I was going out with this boy, 
and um, I really liked him a lot. And there was this one scene that just kept playing over and over in my head from my adol adolescence that became an impetus for the story. And the scene was, we are out, we are on a bike. I don't know how to ride bikes. I still don't. But he really? is. Yep, I know. Never learned. Maybe I got traumatized that time. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> but he is giving me a ride, and I'm in the front on the handlebars, and I'm just in heaven, and he's like my knight in shining armor. And suddenly there's this guy, some stranger, walking toward us, and he somehow, the details are fuzzy, but somehow he splashes us with mud. And my knight in shining armor curses him out, which is okay, you know, whatever. Uh, but the word that he uses changes everything because he uses an anti-Semitic slur very casually. And I'm Jewish. And so I'm just sitting there frozen. His arms are still around me. We continue to ride together. And I'm just like, does he know that I'm Jewish? Does he know what the word mean? Does he care? And I wish I could tell you that I stopped everything, got off the bike, and told him, hey, that actually hurt me a lot. Do you know what that word is? But I never did that. I was 13 years old. So I just kept writing. I actually kept dating him afterwards. I never asked him questions. I never found out if he was an anti a real anti-Semite or he just didn't know what he was talking about. But all these questions kind of pestered. And all these emotions just kind of grew, and they became this novel about this Jewish girl who falls in love with a boy who may be anti-Semitic. Wow. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's a lot. <laughs> and so that story went through a lot of drafts. I um, circulated it with agents and publishers, and I got a really strong reaction. Like, people loved the idea, they were intrigued by it, they loved the writing, but then they just kept saying, like, I don't know, all that Russian stuff is kind of weird. There's no other books like it. We don't really know what we could do with this, like, you know. Um, and then I finally, and, and then I just, that just kept happening. I kept writing other stories, and then until I found the perfect publisher who was like, I love this. I cried twice when I read this. I keep crying every time I read it, so I was like, okay, that's perfect. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wait, I, I have to ask you something, though. You said you, have, you started with your kids? Right. You have kids. Yes, I have kids. I thought you were the youngest one here because oh, you look like you're about you. 21, 22. Oh, something. that's sweet. <laughs> wait, wait, she My said child. Like, what? <laughs> so actually, it was one child at that point. He was three years old when I decided I could not do the journalism job and take care of him at that moment. He was falling sick with asthma. He really needed me. So um, he is now in college. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> so, wow. <thank> <laughs> It, wait, and you say you were a journalist? I was a journalist. I was like a lo your local reporter for a... I lived in New Jersey at the time. Okay. Uh, it was for a newspaper. I loved that job. It was a lot of fun. And my writing, love for writing, came through lots of stories, lots of real-life characters that I got to meet. But, you know, in the So end, that actually helped with your story writing then, I guess. I really like, think so. I really think so. Because one of the things that, um, that I picked up on, every time I would go on assignment, mm -hmm. I would kind of observe everything. And it wasn't just the message. Like, say I would observe a protest. I would definitely write about the message, the people, the, right. the conflict. But I would also, like, kind of look around at the sky and the weather and the everything, the sights, your sounds, your smells. And I would find a way to kind of infuse that into the story. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote Castle of Concrete, I to do my research, I went back to Russia and I visited the sites of all of the scenes in my first draft, from like a train station to a 
metro. There are lots of trains happening there. <laughs> McDonald's, the first McDonald's ever that they ever opened in Russia. Uh, things like that. And I just kind of had my notebook with me and I wrote down everything that I saw, smelled, you know, tasted, all that. And all of that really got back into the story. And I am getting wow. a lot of feedback from readers saying that they feel like they are there. And I think That's being a good. journalist really helped me with and that. And be honest, because you said you, know, you would walk through the parks and just look at people and that's what gave you so you saw somebody and that person got a name didn't they that was your character wasn't it be honest i you know what it's like it's hard to even tell at this point because like as a kid as a teen as an adult you see so many people you just take it all in and it all just kind of becomes part of that compost right right and it's even hard to tell and i am sure i even have a t-shirt that says careful or you might end up in my novel because it's true (laughs) It's I was just, just going to say, uh-oh, who <laughs> am I going to be in your you next book? You might end up in my novel. I, I don't even know. I feel like I don't even have control over that. Which, the vampire that doesn't even look like Tyler Lautner. <laughs> <laughs> Deborah. Um, okay, the so, president one. Yes, yes, exactly. So, um, well, like a lot of other people, I guess I was interested in writing as a younger kid, and I... Um, I remember in third grade we had just time every day to do whatever we wanted. So I had these black and white notebooks and I would sit there writing a novel in the notebook and you know, went on and on throughout the year and I just kept writing and writing and writing. And it may be there somewhere in a box in an attic somewhere, who knows. But I guess, you know, I always was interested in it. And I also ended up as a journalist. So in fact, I worked for papers in New Jersey, but I was oh, like, yeah, I worked need for, to talk yeah, about that. I know, <laughs> I know. I mean, I was like their D.C. correspondent for the Gannett New Jersey papers. So, but yeah, I ended up in D.C. Um, covering mostly Congress and politics for various places. Oh, lucky and, you. Oh, yes. <laughs> and um, so I did that, you know, on and off, well, for most of a couple decades. And then at a certain point, I stopped and I started working more on um, freelance projects and I had been working on reference books that involved government and Congress and presidents and um, I wrote a book actually um, with my father for adults that was about how different presidents um, reacted to the aftermath of the Vietnam War so that was history and presidents and so then but along the way I had always had these ideas about writing fiction and I had attempted to write fiction and I had various mystery novel manuscripts again manuscripts tucked away in in closets all over the place and I actually took some of them out a couple years ago and started revising them after a long long time um, which has been really fun but so I thought you know fiction was always something I wanted to do and so I thought well why not try to write for kids because I when I was a kid I loved to read and this these books I'm writing are for age around 7 to 12 they're middle grade which is about that (laughs) age group Um, and I just remember how much enjoyment I had as a kid, like eight, nine, 10, 11, reading books and just getting transported off into some other world. And so I thought, you know, I can combine that into with my interest in history. And that's where the idea came from for these books. I just, I mean, how do you come with the, what's the first one, George Washington? George Washington and the Magic Hat. Well, so what happens is my main character is a fifth grader named Sam who's living in Maryland, and he 
um, is having a really bad beginning to fifth grade because he and his best friend aren't speaking and he's a, he's a good actor and he thinks he's going to get the lead role as George Washington in the class play, but he doesn't get it. And his class is at Mount Vernon for a field trip, George Washington's house, and he ends up buying this hat, which he doesn't even want to buy, but the hat sort of attaches onto him, and it's an old hat that's seen a lot of history, and it starts mm -hmm. talking to him. So it becomes like the portal by which he goes, Sam goes back and forth, and keeps meeting up with George Washington at different points in his life. But he's also back in the present day dealing with this um, former friend of his and sort of social stuff going on in fifth grade, and so it, it's this back and forth thing and in the second book the magic object is a bobblehead of John Adams the second president which <laughs> 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 my family we actually have a John Adams bobblehead so it was, it was a lot of fun to do that one because John Adams had a very quirky personality and the bobblehead has that personality and it just that was a lot of fun to do. <laughs> a John Adams bobblehead. Yep. I, now you know I gotta go out and find one. Yeah, yeah, you can order them online. <laughs> no, they yeah, really? Yeah. Oh yeah. Then again, they got a bobblehead for everything, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly. Yes. Your turn. <laughs> I forgot the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you Start get writing? it? Yes. Um, well, like m many of these authors, I've been writing since I was a little girl. Um, as an adult, I did a lot of hospital PR <laughs> um, just uh, that's what you have to do if you want to write in Baltimore and get paid um, uh, but my big break came when I was hired as ex executive editor of Girls Life magazine and I was executive editor at Girls Life for 15 years during that 15 years though I did not write any of my own stuff I magazine editors are busy <laughs> Um, and, I, and that always um, troubled me, to be honest, that I didn't have the time to focus on my own writing. Um, so after 15 years, I left Girls Life uh, and to freelance and was doing a lot of editing. I'm, uh, I'm pretty well respected in the editorial circuit as an editor right. for my editorial skills. And um, was writing uh, or editing for HarperCollins and that's where I met my agent, and uh, you know, it just sort of all took off from there. Well, I, because I, I like I told you, I had Molly on, and she credits you for a lot of, um, I guess, helping her, right? Yeah, as well. Yeah, Molly and I are are very close. She helps me as well. We inspire each other. It's nice to have. That's a, good. It's nice to have a um, a write a writer friend nearby. <laughs> all right now, and. Whoever didn't have this can chime in right away. Did, growing up, did any of you ever think that you would be something else besides an author? Or no. did you want to be something else besides an author? No. Well, as Brian's like, yeah, I did. I'm amazed by the stories and just taking it all in. I never thought I was going to be an author. Um, I, I I knew I was creative and I, and I did a lot of art things. Um, but. Uh, as a child, I couldn't write for anything. Right. I, I, I loved to read, but I could never get my ideas down on paper properly. Um, I went through all of my schooling with these issues and even in college failed a couple of classes because I couldn't write the final project. It wasn't until after I got out of college and got my first computer, 
my fir my first Apple, um, which was you know the the app the Macs just came out mm -hmm. right after I got out of college, and uh, and started writing on the computer and was able to learn how to edit myself properly. And it was really the process of writing on paper with a pencil that was the real challenge for me. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then I, I never thought, even then, I didn't think I was ever going to be, you know, an author. I, um, but I ended up with this job. I was uh, design director for a toy company. And we created this product called the Meanies, which was a parody of Beanie Babies. Um, <laughs> and... So we were doing all these weird, goofy characters like Splat the Roadkill Cat, which had a tire track <laughs> across its back, and Lucky the Rabbit, who was missing a foot. And since Beanie Babies had poems, <laughs> Beanie Babies had poems on their hang tags, so we had to write poems. Our bosses said, "You guys write poems." We're like, "We're we're artists. We're not. We can't write." So we wrote. We decided to write limericks, and. Um, and then we sat around a big conference room like this, and we all read our limericks to each other to decide which ones to use. And a lot of people liked my limericks. They, they ended up on the product, sorry. That splat and the cat they, call <laughs> and, uh, and so I started to think, well, maybe, maybe I do have a, a knack for this. And I started writing down some of the ideas that I had. And, and really, it was another, I think, eight years before I even, you know, got around to trying to get published and, and taking it seriously. I was in my early 40s and, uh, and really? I finally decided, you know what, I'm not getting any younger, you know, I want to give this a shot. And, and here I am 12 years later with all these books. So I got very lucky. Now, I got to ask, because I know this question's on everybody's mind here. Did the meanies ever make it to market? Oh yeah, yeah. So we can find them. <laughs> you can find them on eBay. Well, you know how uh, Beanie Babies are, uh, you know, worth a lot of money. Yeah, meanies are not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were a parody of a popular trend, right. you know. And we were doing these goofy, goofy, you know, um, animal characters. And we also ended up doing, like, we did a line of celebrity meanies, like um, uh, Mike Bison, who had an ear in his mouth. Uh, we had uh, Bull Clinton and his dog Buddy. Uh, and we did other celebrities like Mick Jaguar, um, and they and they did very well. And, and my bosses ended up being profiled in like you know, uh, Life magazine and all kinds of places and people. Uh, but it it was it was a trend. So you know it came and went, and uh, I'm, we all moved on to other things. I, I know when I get home now, I'm going to go right on eBay try to find, find some them. of these things. <laughs> <laughs> the Read Local Challenge. Yes. What is the Read Local Challenge? So the Read Local Challenge, you know, you you shop local, you eat local. So we have so many talented authors and illustrators yes. in our area. So why not read local? We have um, authors and illustrators from Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, and D.C., and this is our fourth year doing the challenge. We have three challenge levels, picture book, middle grade, young adult, so there's something for everybody. And basically the challenge is to take a look at the talent that's right here in your own backyard and read a book by someone that you might bump into right. at the local frozen yogurt shop or that you might see Maybe your next-door neighbor, you're not even know. Yeah. Um, and we have, we have some fun things. Like we have on our website, there's an interactive map where you can go in and click the map, 
and tell us which books you've read. You, you select your state and tell us which books you've read. And the map will update within five or ten minutes to, um, to tell us which state is winning the reading race. Oh. And you can... You can nominate a school or library. It doesn't have to be your school or library. Just nominate a school or library when you tell us which books you've read. And whichever state wins the reading race, we will pick a school or library from that state and send them a bunch of signed, you know, a box full of signed books. Oh, that's from, awesome. From our authors. We also have any school or library or homeschool group or scout troop, anyone who wants to promote literacy can go on our website and request a Read Local Challenge starter kit that'll come with full color posters with all the, all the books, bookmarks. We have a, a passport program where we're teaming up with, with bookstores uh, to offer discounts and prizes to people who who take on the challenge and we'll send all of that to the school or library along with while supplies last until we run out one signed copy of a book that they can use as a prize for the winner of the of the challenge within their own group without you know and and they get to set the parameters for who wins they can say you know whoever reads the most books whichever you know if it's a school maybe they say whichever class reads the most books on the challenge together mm -hmm. will win this signed copy for their classroom or maybe they'll say we are all winners we're putting this in our school library and everyone can check out this signed copy of the book or or however they want to you know right well, the prize is there, and they can. Um, that's great, can, and that's a great idea for youth organizations, like you said. Uh, I'm thinking, you're Brian Diggs right away. I'm thinking of the Leos or Leo Club. Mm -hmm. Those are kids 12 to 18. And uh, another really amazing fun thing is that every single author or illustrator connected to the challenge has agreed to give a discount on their speaking fees for the entire challenge year. So if you want to bring in an author or an illustrator, you get a 10% discount on their speaking fees. A lot of, I think all of us at the table, we do school visits all the time where right. we go into assembly programs or workshops uh, with the students. And so this gives the local schools a chance to bring us in at a reduced rate. That's great because you answered my other question if you guys did workshops. So. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Every one of us has some kind of a program that we do in schools, libraries. I've so this is so the Read Local Challenge is more focused towards kids. Right. Well, through, through high school. Through high yeah, school, right. Through high school. Um, although there there are plenty of adults who read young adults and Oh, I know. I think yes. I've had like and, five of them already read. And I've these. done <laughs> I've I've also done workshops for for adults who want to write or, right. you know. We all belong to an organization called SCBWI, which is the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators. And this is involves our local chapter, which is Maryland, West Virginia, and 
Delaware, is yes. it? Yeah. And, and we partner with the Merrill with the Virginia and DC right. chapter. Okay. So, so and and as a blanket organization, it's a really great thing to belong to because you don't have to be a published author to join. If you want to be an author, you can join and you get to go to things like conferences or, or get on online chat rooms with published people, with editors, with uh, all different kinds of people in the industry in one way or another. And then there are conferences you can attend. Uh, we have one coming up. Well, there's one coming up in Virginia. Yeah. Uh, in Virginia, there's one in October, and then we have one in Baltimore in March. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a way for people to meet. Now people who are doing what you want, they want. How to does do. somebody become a member? You just have to pay your. Go to scbwi.org and click the button. It takes less than five minutes to sign up. It's it's a really wonderful organization. I've I've belonged to a couple different uh, writers organizations since I also do the genre writing with the science fiction and fantasy and horror and. SCBWI is my favorite, so the the, the other ones are great. I, I don't want to, you know, be dragging anybody in the mud here, but uh, but SCBWI is my favorite. So. No, tell us who they are that you don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you know, I, I was going to ask you how you found came about finding all the authors for this, but I mean, if they're all part of that organization, oh, yeah. it makes sense. Yeah, I put out a a call, and and everyone connected with this were all traditionally published, um, you know. Publishers from HarperCollins, Macmillan, Penguin, Schiffer, um, you know, so some large publishers, some smaller publishers, but all traditionally published. Um, and the reason that we have that stipulation that that the authors have to be traditionally published is because then it's easier for schools and libraries to find those books. Right. You know. There are some amazing and wonderful self-published books out there, um, but if if it's not in the proper system, then a library can't literally cannot buy it to put it on right. the shelves, and then everyone's frustrated. And so, see, and that's one of the things I think you and I may have talked about this before, um, because there, I ever since I started. You know, inviting authors onto the podcast, I was shocked at how many are self-published. Yes. And if God, if they could get out there and get you know published by the bigger companies, I think it'd be great because there's a lot of great authors out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's a different kind of process. When I was just starting thinking about publishing, before I was invited to meet this editor at Random House, I had considered self-publishing. But with self-publishing, there are a lot of ways to do it. Now, online, where you can just, you know, they'll just print them out one at a time. Yeah. But it's cost prohibitive if you want to sell a lot of books right. because every single book costs the cover price. You know, mm -hmm. if you're the author, you have to buy them at the cover price. Unless you're willing to put in a lot of money and say, as I was considering, you know, going to China and, and having them print the books for like $5 a piece and then you get them shipped over here and you got to find a place to warehouse them and you've suddenly got, you know, 10,000 books in your garage and you've got to find a way to market them and you're essentially becoming a publisher, yeah. uh, but just with one book of your own. It's really, really daunting to have to do all of that as well as be the creative person behind the book. Yeah, because you're, I mean, you got to market it. Yeah, I mean, you're, I, and from the ones I've talked to, they didn't realize how much work is into it. 
And even yeah. with the yeah. traditionally, right. with with, yeah. with big publishers, you have to get out there yourself. Oh, yeah. One yeah. of the reasons yeah. we're all here today yeah. is you have to promote yourself. You yeah. have to get in oh, front I of your audience. Oh, I thought y'all just liked it. Well, that's it. Well, you just justify. I know you're the Danish coffee. Yes, the Danish is very popular. I was curious about that as we were all talking. I mean, it's clear that you know money is not the reason you're doing this you know and at the same well. time <laughs> well, okay, all right. I, I shouldn't assume that for anyone but I, I mean you know there's all these passionate you know stories and you know no one said well I thought I could make a million dollars so I figured I'd go into writing you know so but I was curious like okay it takes a lot of time I mean because I'm in you know I'm an independent insurance guy okay and I'm same thing if I want to make a flyer either pay somebody or take all this time and I'm not sure if it's right and all, I'm like how can you write 50,000 words, have all that time? I mean, are you making enough or is it, and you don't have to share your personal income. It's just, <laughs> I'm wondering, is it enough to keep you going or do you have other things happening to supplement or? Well, see, and that's, and that's the thing. It, it's a balance because like in the, in the coming month, I'm going to be at a number of book festivals where they're not paying me to come. Um, I'm not selling my books there. They're selling them. So really, I'm spending a lot of money to go up to Warwick, New York, or Chappaqua, New York, or a different the Baltimore Book Festival um, to do that. But you balance that by I'm handing out information for school visits. And if a school decides to bring me in, if I get one or two school visits out of my appearance there, then that pays for the trip. And I'm not making money as an author off of book sales, at least not yet. Maybe someday, who knows. But it's person, you know, these these school programs that if I do enough of them throughout the year, it's well worth doing the things that cost money mm -hmm. to promote it. And it's a lot of fun, too. I mean, you get out there and, and meet your audience and introduce your books to new people. And, and you know, it's nice to see a kid standing there at your, at your table, you know, reading your book and enjoying it. And then they decide to, to buy it and have you sign it and they walk away happy and you're happy. That's awesome. And, and there it's a good is, feeling. There is no better feeling in the world than having a child come up to you and tell you, your book is my favorite book yeah. ever. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I, I even, like a year and a half ago, I had a high school student tell me that she had to write a paper for her English class on the one book that changed her life, and she picked mine. Oh. And I still, whenever, whenever I get discouraged and the writing is hard and I'm just beating my head against the wall and thinking, why am I doing this? I think, back to that think about that moment when, you know, and it may just be one person, but that, that one person who told me that, that my book changed her life and that and guess what the value of that is priceless right yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah and, I, yeah. and I, yeah. I wanted to add to um, to say that I don't think any true real writer gets into it for the money and I yeah. think that includes yeah. like m writers who do make end up making a lot mm -hmm. of money uh, I think it's just such this business is so random in many ways it's like you just don't know how yeah. it's really right. gonna line up and I think at a certain point you just have to not care right. and you just do right. what you do I mean that's at least my right. perspective uh, you just do what you do you write and like you know like you said it's 
is when the when for me when a reader tells me that they're crying like I happen to have people who cry at my book I don't know uh, but like <laughs> whether they cry or that they lost like they lost track of time and they just forgot everything that's another common one that keeps cropping mm. up which is like for my heart is like yes but um, when they lose track of time and they just forget everything and they're in my book like to me that's what it is and this is what I do um, and you know I just keep doing it and I just keep and I get to live in these story worlds um, and interact with these characters and then other people step into my mind and experience the worlds that I get to create like mm. what could be more magical than that it's really yeah, cool. most yeah. most most creative people most creators that I know whether artists or writers it's it's a passion thing. It's you have yeah. to do it. There's, yeah, there's yeah. No, it's a compulsion, right? Mm -hmm. it, yeah. And so if you can find a way to do it, hmm. and 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 earn some of your living off it, then that's that's a really big bonus, exactly. you know, as right. opposed to just doing it as your weekend hobby or something you do in your off hours. Um, I, I've been very lucky to. Uh, when I was a kid, I would like look at the books that I loved or the TV shows that I liked. Um, and think like who got to make all this stuff mm. and then I grew up and got to be a guy who worked in animation I got to work for Jim Henson for a while wow. um, I, I you know <laughs> design director for two different toy companies I, I lived out my childhood fantasy as my career and I and I continued to do so and now instead of just working on cool projects that other people created now it's my name on the book out there you know, and some kid, I get kids, you know, coming up to me and saying, "Wow, you're Timothy Young," as if that's really special. Or <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a guy who gets to do fun stuff. Yeah, really well, cool. I mean, we met because I was total fangirling over I hate picture books. <laughs> <laughs> if you have not say, read that book, it is so much fun. Well, thank you. I can't believe I wrote that book. <laughs> <laughs> Like I don't know, it, it, I, it just fell out of my head um, that idea, and, uh, and and luckily I had the skills to to illustrate it the way that I wanted it to look. Um, he mimics the style of all of the Dr. books Seuss that he's and Maurice Sendak and all my favorite <laughs> illustrators. So it so was a blast to put together. It's like going through my whole childhood in one picture book. <laughs> <laughs> and I do it again in my new book because um, there's a scene in here where my characters who are waiting for me to tell their story. They, they can't believe they're stuck with me as an author, and they're suggesting all <laughs> kinds of things that they would rather be doing. Um, and at one point, and of course this is a podcast, so I can't hold this up and show everybody, but they're, they're looking at books that they'd rather be in, and they're all, <laughs> and they're all parodies of, of classic books. Um, like it's one of my characters is, is a capybara. And so one of the titles is The Travels of Cappy Babar. Um, and another one is The Adventures of Capybara Underpants. <laughs> so I have a lot of fun, you know, doing what I do. <laughs> but we do, you know, it is, you know, we do this because we love it and we're passionate about it. But it, but the money is important, too. Yeah. You know, there's a balance. Nice. And that's, that's one of the reasons that we do the school visits and, the, you know, because... Well, you're not just an author. Because we've got to pay owner. the bills. Mm -hmm. Right. So right. you're yeah. running a business. You, you, you can't eat love. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, and I'm a real practical. That's where my question came from. It's like, okay, you know, because I, I get the passion part, you know. Uh, and by the way, I love the, the contrast in your story from a little girl, right, saying that one person said, 
something about these 50,000 words, is it going to mean anything? And then how you chose to latch on or choose today to latch on to that one person says, this book is the best ever or changed my life. I mean, that's, oh, yeah. you could have just crumbled and said, nah, I'm not even going to. But, you know, it's the persistence and overcoming of your story is awesome. And um, it really is a choice to, it is. to yeah. latch yeah. on to the yeah. I mean, it's for any of us in any, anything we do. It's, you know, you can, the world will look as you see it. Somebody tells me right? I can't do something mm. because I'm going to prove them wrong. Mm. You know, I mean, that's, and my father taught me that, you know, when, um, when I joined the military because originally I was supposed to go into the Navy and he was all happy and excited until I came back with the papers for them to sign for me to go into the Marine Corps. And he refused to sign. He said, you'll never make it as a Marine. And it's like, okay. So I proved him wrong. And I started this. You know, I've had people tell me, because you're not in a soundproof room, you, it's, it's not, it's not going to sound good. Nobody's going to listen. I think what they're really saying is that maybe, you know, I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to get uncomfortable, yeah. right, to overcome those challenges. Because we all have them. Say, hey, here's my goal. I want to head out that way. And then, you know, a lot of people go down the road. You hit a challenge. Up, oh, too hard. I'm out. Yeah. You know, and then you go back. And that's okay. I mean, it's not, you know. But, you know, and then it's the end, the 20% that are lucky, right, mm -hmm. you know, from other people's eyes that, that, well, they weren't lucky. It's just you made those choices and you had those yeah. pencils tucked away for so long. And, you know, you just... And you I still write going, my, you know? I still write every book with these pencils first. So one of my um, lo read local challenge, the read local challenge buyer that bio that I have says that I like to rap about growth mindset for my sixth graders. I also teach uh, in DC, and I'm supposed Wait, to be I'm sorry, teaching back right up now. A you I'm, like the what? I rap about growth mindset. You mean like I presents, do like you rap. put the wrapping paper <laughs> on? <or? laughs> yeah, they uh, no, I do a little rap. Which, you know, I'm not doing right now. Oh, no. I was going to no, say. No, no, no. Oh, you you can't have it. You can't have it. I don't even have the... There's a microphone. Oh, my goodness. I can't do the stuff with the beatbox and The beer gets in the way. Right. I also need the beat, but it goes something like wink, wink, blink, blink. No such thing as a missing ink. Missing link. It's not where you come from. Not what you do wrong. Not what you... Eat or what you drink, not the music you like, not the speed of a bike, not the color of your ink. Success is all about how you think. Yes. And That's basically, yeah. and then it gets even yes. better. Yes. The funny thing is, if this was video, because we would have found the beat right away, because right. she was in there, they in her seat. Yeah. If we had the beat going, I know you'd be up there dancing and everything. But my point is that I am a huge believer in growth mindset, and growth mindset is basically like deciding this is what I'm going to do, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm going to learn from every obstacle that's thrown my way, and I'm just going to keep yeah. growing from there. So uh, I, it took me 15 years to write this book that just wow. came out. Uh, and just from like when I decided to start writing to it public, being published. And I could have stopped and just quit so many times. And so, yeah, it just goes back to that point of like, Love it. you just, you just got to keep going if this is what you want to do. Don't give up. Yeah. yeah. And to me, that's the it's coolest simple. thing yeah. about, I mean, there's lots of cool things about reading when you're young. You know, I, I kind of grew up on TV, not books. And so it's sometimes challenging for me to sit and go, okay, I'm going to read this. Actually, I'm in the middle of three of them right now. I get halfway through and I'm like, I'll come back, you know, but. I watch my granddaughter, Cora, who's eight now, but I, I think, Veronica, she has that book. It might be in her house. <laughs> so nice. I was 
want to get a picture with you maybe later and one of those really torn off piece of paper with a signature would be great but uh, <laughs> we'll cover your fee whatever it is uh, I had a point now it's gone <laughs> I think they call that sometimes you watch your right? reading old timers <laughs> yeah but no it's just it's it's I think you know that's a huge impact it can really change a lot of lives to get that kids let's say addicted to books and you know and my wife the other day she's an avid reader she was saying uh you know, it's an escape. So to your point, uh, Katya, about, you know, you kind of lose track of time. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's what I use TV for. It's like, I don't want to think about it. But the imagination part of yours was just, I mean, you know, because I've heard Cora say, oh, I'm bored. Oh, I'm bored. Well, okay, you have the answer. You remove the excuses for boredom. It's just, right. yeah, I'm by myself. And what am I going to do with that? Right. And you chose to go somewhere and make it fun, and now look how it's unraveled into a book. It's just, if, if young people or any people can just keep getting that message, just go and go, don't just, you know. I think it's, you know, a rising tide lifts all ships. I don't know. And, and Connie, so for now, some you reason, you, you can never write anything again. You may have a career in rapping. <laughs> That's what my kids What would be your rap name? Well, actually, when I first started teaching in high school, um, my high school students gave me a rap name. Oh, I treasured geez. that. Yes. It was, you ready for it? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Raindrop. Because oh. my last name is Raina. So, you know, I'm, I'm Miss Raina. So, yes. Raindrop. Raindrop. Yes. And anytime they needed me, they wanted. Drops the beat. (laughs) So whenever they wanted something from me, uh, or they wanted me to like take it easy on them, they just had to say raindrop, and I just could not resist. I just loved it so much. Raindrop. I was like, you're trying to stop stop me up right now. I see what you're doing. No. (laughs) Wow, this went everywhere. I, I'm completely lost. <laughs> well, sorry, Rich. If you I, invite me, I go down different. No, no, I, it's the rapping part. I just that just threw everything. I, up. I, I, I think it's funny. I think it's great. I love it. I know you. I want to see you get everybody in here rapping. I'll I'll do the beat. <laughs> I can rap a mean package. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I need to rap presents like the. Like a boss. I can't just rap on them. I'm not one of those people. Like, I need to, I need my rhymezone.com. I need to sit down and think about what I'm going to say. I usually do that in a rap challenge. Yeah. 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 I can't, no. So you can't freestyle is what you're trying to tell us, right? Mm, All right, I'll challenge you then. (laughs) Bring it, let's go. No, no, no. I I can't. I got to have a beat. Right. All we've got here are radishes. Huh? No beats. Oh, oh geez. <laughs> I'm not with it. God. So how long the relocal for the, the relocal challenge goes to when? It goes through the end of May. And through the end of May. Okay. And besides, of course, doing this in the posters, you guys go to the schools and everything to let everybody know about it. Yes. Um, and the libraries. Schools and libraries, and each of us has agreed to do one informal meet and greet for free um, within our very, very local area. You know, like we were saying, you know, we can't afford to to drive all over and give our full presentations, but we really love meeting students. So if 
And a lot of us will be at events where we'll be handing out the Read Local information. I know I'm going to have a booth on Saturday at the Baltimore Book Festival. I think that's November 2nd, you know, where aside from my books, I'll have this information on my table. Um, I know a bunch of us, well, we're all, uh, some people are going to the Virginia Librarians Convention together as a Read Local group. We're doing a presentation there about it. Um, anyone else have any upcoming events where they'll be available to the public? be at Baltimore Book Festival as mm -hmm. well yeah. and the and the uh, Virginia well that conference isn't open to the public. no but it's a f no. it's getting us in front of librarians at yeah. the schools so, yeah yeah mm -hmm. I'll be going up to New Jersey to the New Atlantic Inter right. Independent Booksellers Association conference yeah I'll be there talk too. to yeah. talk to booksellers within our region as well when you say bookseller like, I know like my independent bookstores. Independence. Okay. All right. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Yeah. I just my neighbor is a book salesman mm, for yeah. children's books. He's always come and give us. You know, here's a stack for Cora. But oh, nice. I don't know if that kind of connection would help you at all. You know, because he might be yeah. at the end of the line for a company who, you know, has already chosen what the, he's to sell, etc. I mean, um, let him know about the. Read yeah. local challenge, and so a lot of us do we book signings at, at bookstores as well. So, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, mm. I even we've even had several of us have um, the Sweet Frog Frozen Yogurt mm -hmm. chain did a a promotion over the summer. It was their authorized challenge, and they brought in authors several times a month to come sign books in the frozen yogurt shop. <laughs> And that was really fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. There was uh, that, that. That actually was my my moment of author heartwarmingness. Uh, yeah, you can tell I'm an author with words like heartwarmingness. Hey, you're <laughs> an author. You can <laughs> make up words. Right. If you said it, it's a word. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um, but this this mom came in with her son, who I think we I think he was in second grade, and she said that he was you know she usually couldn't get him to read very much, but he just he saw the cover of Mother Ghost and just he yeah, you know, again it's a podcast so you can't see it, but it's got you know this witch riding on a bat looking like Mother Goose except that she's all spooky, and he just he saw that and thought it was just the coolest thing and like begged his mother to buy him a copy and see, this, this is a kid who doesn't like to read and that just yes that made yeah. me so happy <laughs> so. yeah and that's the key for someone who doesn't like to read it's not it's not that they don't like to read it's that they're being forced to read the yes. wrong books right mm -hmm. my my daughter who's a senior in high school right now isn't she's an avid reader now but when she was in elementary school she would not read she she hated it, and it was because they they gave him a reading test at the beginning of the year, and she tested so high on her comprehension levels that they were, oh, you have to only read books in your level. Well, she wasn't interested in any of the books that they were telling her she had to read. She wanted to read the graphic novels and the you know, the Diary of a Wimpy Kid and Captain Underpants with all of her friends and she was being told, you have to only read Frankenstein and Jeez. Um, and The Wind in the Willows and she's like, I don't want to read The Wind in the Willows. It's boring. <laughs> it was just not her style and when she finally, she 
she has a book that we we actually um, we drove all the way down to Richmond, Virginia to meet this author because she found this book and she read it and it was the first book that clicked with her and she was like and she overnight became an avid reader and it was because this book wow. was you know she loved this book by this author and she's read it probably 20 30 times now what and book was it if you don't mind me asking it was give me a call by sarah Molinowski, mm -hmm. and it's a fun time travelish story where the the girl drops her cell phone in the fountain and and it fritzes out and she starts getting phone calls from herself four years in the future so she's freshman in high school talking to her senior self and wow. getting oh, getting advice cool. life cool. advice you know here's what you should do differently <laughs> I think it would freak me out <laughs> <laughs> I, it seems like, I don't know, and Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong since we went to school together, but growing up, did you read a book more than once? The same book more than once? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Really? Yeah, but I will say, I think in today's educational climate, I think it is challenging for kids to read for pleasure because their homework loads are so insane. Uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. See, that's one thing my, i got to admit, my daughter does not find time to read. But she'll, you know, her and her friends, they can read a book over and over and over again. I think I've only come across maybe two books where I can do that. You know, it, I don't know how they can do it. But they do find the time to read. Now, granted, they're not going to bed on time. <laughs> and I'm wondering why she's cranky in the morning now. I know why. Well, many of us had the flashlight under the mm. covers at night. Well, I'm sure a lot of yeah. people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the one good thing I, I do love, and, and you and I talked about this, because I remember, you know, when the the electronic books or whatever came out, everybody said, oh, well, kids aren't, you know, they're not going to want to read books because they got the tablets. I see kids, they don't, they want the books. Yeah, no, they with, with the picture books. Just, and yeah. you don't want to get rid of them. When I, when my first book was published, it was around the time that, that um, the like the first Kindles and things were mm -hmm. coming out. And that was the fear that, you know, they were going to replace, pick, you know, printed books. But that never happened, certainly not with picture books and, and even, you know, middle grade books is because, you know, with, with a picture book, you want to sit there with your kid on your lap, yeah. you know, reading a book together. You don't want to be scrolling through the iPad. And so, you know, so sales of picture books are actually, you know, way up compared to, you know, um, uh, anything electronic. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, which is great because, you know, people just, they want a real physical thing in their hands. And that goes and for middle grade readers and y young adult readers as well. Yeah. I mean, I know yeah. some of my students, like, they do like their Kindles, but a lot of them, the majority, I would say, they would still want to have, like, a real book. Yeah. See, yeah. There, the Kindle is great for putting in your bag just so that you have yeah. Yeah. lots right. of books. But when you really want to, because they're just so tied to their devices all the time. And they're, it's a nice and break. It's yeah. a really nice break to just sit down with a paper book and just totally unplug and and it just it changes your 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 thinking yeah and, and people somehow get angry when you sign their ipad with a sharpie what's wrong with those people man? The, the one, 
like the one book I'm reading, uh, and I'm almost finished. But I have it on. I got it on Kindle first. But I love it so much, I had to get the paperback. So I went ahead and bought the paperback as well. Knowing that, I can always keep it, and it's easier for me to pass on, you know, to other people to read. I know, like authors don't like to hear that. Don't pass my book. No, okay. no, uh, <laughs> but it's and. Yeah, I I, um, I just always like to have the pages, even though it's easier for me to read on the Kindle at times because I'm old. Uh, but still, just to have that paperback. It's more of an intimate experience, in my opinion, to read, um, you know, a hard, yeah, yeah, physical copy of a book. And I like throwing a, a book or a magazine in my tote. Um. <laughs> I'm getting tea on it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, good thing it wasn't my iPad. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like your your book, I have on my coffee table. Uh, there's another uh, gentleman I had on here, Gary Helton, who um, did a book, the Baltimore Radio and TV, the history of it. That's on the dining room table. Put a, put a Kindle on the dining room table. Nobody's gonna know what to look at. Yeah. You know, where's the games? You know, but having those books out there, and of course the record book. <laughs> actually, that's not on the dining room table anymore. My wife maybe get rid of that. <laughs> actually, it's, it's buying your books. And what's the name of the organization, the group you're all with again? The Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, SCBWI. All right. So if people go to that website, all you guys are on there, listed on there, right? Mm -hmm. So is that like a centralized place where people can buy your books too? Yes. Actually, we um, we just put up a link yesterday um, a page with some local bookstores where you mm -hmm. can find our books and there's also if you want to buy like a do a mass order of buy a whole set um, we have a, a a distributor that's put together a read local order form that and you I can go in and and order you know, one copy of each book, or or five copies of each book for this for the library. Right. Or, you know. Yeah, and I think the SCBWI site links to Amazon to purchase our books off of the off of the main website. Um, I have on my website links to various booksellers from Amazon, Barnes and Noble, right. um, Indie. Yeah. Uh, Indie first, uh, all different places where people can find it. What I always find is fun is when my book is about to come out, I go online, and like when you see that it's being sold on Amazon Japan or on some mm. bookseller, yeah. you know, in India, um, it's kind of neat to know that you know yeah. my book's available <coughs> worldwide. Yeah, the the first first person who bought a copy of The Princess and the Frogs was in France. Nice. I it it went on sale on. Amazon France about six or seven hours before it went up anywhere else and I and I had someone message me and say I just bought your book <laughs> and, so my, and it was it was kind of amazing she's she's my my big super fan she's she lives in France but she's German and she she um, her daughter speaks German, doesn't speak English, and so she translated my book into German and sent me the oh, translations. Wow. Wow. Nice. Sent me sent me a, a video recording of her reading my book in German to her daughter. 
mm. which was really cool. I hope you put that <laughs> on your website. <laughs> um, no, because I don't have permissions to. She sent it for just for me. For oh, me. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say, man, if she gave but, me permission. That'd be awesome. But yeah, and um, if it ever gets translated, my book translate, translates if, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. If, <laughs> if we ever, if we ever sell the translation rights, you know, she may. I may I may suggest her. For <laughs> uh, and to answer your earlier question, yeah, um, kind of tie it, <laughs> tie it to rain the website. in the house. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> to the website, the whole website conversation. So all of us have websites, right. uh, and that is maybe the easiest way to like find, uh, or one of the ways to find links to our books. Because I know, like, I have information on mine where, like, how you know how you can get it through uh, IndieBound or Barnes and Noble or Amazon. Mm-hmm. And if you if you go to the Read Local website, um, we have links to all of our SCBWI profiles, which um, each profile will give you the links to our individual websites. Um, our information about what kinds of speaking programs we do, um, links for our books, and everything. So it's all all there in one place that you Good. can click on the Meet the Authors link. And uh, I've heard uh, Raindrop and Tim so far has mentioned mm-hmm. IndieBound. Yes. And the uh, first time yes. I ever heard of this was uh, the other day I was meeting with, I think I told you, a young lady who owns a independent bookstore in Bel Air called Capriccio's Books and because I was telling her about how I do a featured author of the or book of the month and I use Goodreads for the reviews mm-hmm. I didn't know Goodreads was owned by Amazon yeah. no yes. idea that's and relatively she, recent yeah that's what she yeah. said and she said look at IndieBand I'm like oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a website you can go in and put the book you're looking for and your zip code and it'll give you a list of independent bookstores that have copies of that book, you know, within a certain radius of where you live. So, do independent bookstores have to contact you guys or a distributor to get the books in there? Usually, they get it through distributors. Distribu- I mean, okay. if you have yeah. if, if you have a relationship, you know, I know a number of local independent booksellers uh, that I often do signing events with them, okay. um, and. Uh, and so they get to know you, so they tend to stock your books. Um, and then you, you know, they, they're like uh, Veronica was saying, there's a conference coming up in South Jersey for independent booksellers uh, in the Northeast. Um, and so a few of us who are going, hopefully we'll get in front of, you know, some of those booksellers mm-hmm. and they'll get to know our books and, you know, stock our books. Uh, Barnes and Nobles, it's hit or miss as to whether your books are going to be in there. If, if they have a local relationship with you, yes. Right. Uh, but sometimes you don't want to. I mean, it's it's a. There's so much to get you know, like confused with in, in Barnes and Nobles. But usually yeah. the websites, uh, there is easy to find us on on the yeah. websites. The the Ellicott City Barnes and Noble was one of our first fans for the Read Local Challenge. They um, they actually you know when our very first year that we did this, we didn't even think to contact bookstores. We you know, we were just reaching out to schools and libraries, right. and then um, the the manager at the Barnes and Noble in Ellicott City heard about the challenge, and she called me in and said, "Why are we not a part of this?" 
and so you know they do a, they do a big display every year right. of, of read local challenge books and stuff so um so yeah. all books so some some, some barnes and nobles yeah. you know but but with with a big chain like that they have to run it through their corporate office before the they you know they have to get permission to right. do a big display table which you know depending on depending on the area sometimes corporate gives more leeway to this Barnes and Noble than mm -hmm. that one and I don't know how how the organization <laughs> but an independent bookstore can can decide by themselves, hey, on the spot, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. As long hey, as they, we love as long as they answer their email, right, <laughs> 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 So, so we do love bookstores. Yeah, and there's other places besides, like some of um, places that have my book are sort of unusual places to have a book, like. The Washington Nationals team store happens to have it because the you would never book, think of that. No, you would not. But one of the characters in the book is the running president George Washington mascot. So I let them know about that. So they have the book, or like Mount Vernon gift shop has the book, or you know the John oh. Adams historical site is mm. trying to get the book at this point. So it's you know there's other places where you can sort of find books that are more unexpected that you can like historical. Um, we were saying, yeah, like view historical yeah, places exactly. or societies, right? That have a bookstore, or gift shop, um, a lot of books for um, for Kelly campgrounds. Yes, gift gift shops. Toy stores. Well, yeah. One, one of my one of my favorite places that my books are in is that uh, my book, The Angry Little Puffin, is based on the Puffin House at the Central Park Zoo in New York because that's where I first heard somebody call a puffin a penguin, and the whole book is about how puffins mm. are angry because they're confused with penguins. <laughs> Stereotypes these it, days. It, yeah, <laughs> and uh, and I was very pleased that uh, that they had it in their gift shop on a nice big display. So it, it made full circle, you know, if you go into the Central Park Zoo gift shop. And it, the gift shop is even mentioned in the book. Uh, so huh. um, it's, it's... It's all back to running yeah. your business, the very, marketing Very part. meta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I got to see, I got to contact all these other bookstores and ask them, how come you don't have the Read Local Challenge display in there? There you go. Well, you know, some do. And um, we're... No, I'm, we're I'm at the independent ones. Yeah. And I think at Harford County, there's only two... Yeah. I know of. I I have been surprised. Um, there there are a lot of uh, bookstores and libraries and schools that are just quietly taking the challenge without ever letting me know. And I you know like I've I've walked into libraries. You know I'm I've been directing this challenge for now. This is our fourth year. And I've walked into libraries where I have not talked to anyone, and there's a big display of the Read Local Challenge books, and and you know they <laughs> they they heard about it from a friend who heard about it from a friend, and so you know, and that's that's the great thing about this challenge. You don't have to you don't have to sign up or do anything to be a part of it. You just right. pick up a book and start reading. It's unlike the libraries have the what's the summer reading summer challenge? Reading yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where you go, and and it dovetails nicely so with those books. summer well, guess, reading challenges. I guess young books. I mean, you know, what you guys are, it's easier easy to read so many at one time. But <laughs> I, I, 
because I get confused when Brian said he was reading three books. I, was, I still can't read one, even if it's a picture <laughs> book. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean more than one. I can read one, but not more than one. It takes me time. I know I can't read more than one book at a time. I don't. I know some people read like multiple books at once. I yeah. give them so much credit. I can't do it. Well, I should, you know, clarify. I mean, I like personal growth type of stuff. That's why you know you're positive thinking. Yes. I'm like all charged up <laughs> listening to you. Um, but you know, sometimes you have to for those kind of books. You, you've got the lesson, and now you got to let it simmer. And how am I going to apply that? And just think, and you know. And then when I'm kind of just stuck for new, or I just feel like, geez, I my brain stopped working then I pick it up again oh, okay there's some new ideas you know so but and not like the firm when I first read that was, I just sat there on the beach and I read the whole thing cover to cover I'm like this is the best book ever <laughs> so I started reading all Christians see that's the funny thing about reading a book as compared to watching TV I think when you're watching TV you know how much time's there whether it's an hour show two hour movie or whatever when you're reading a book because you're painting the picture in your mind and you can get lost in it and just mm -hmm. keep going and going and going. Next thing you know, five hours have gone by, but it doesn't feel like it, you know. And yeah. which is one of the reasons I mean, I like reading more than watching TV now. Yes, unless it's wrestling, but uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know, because I, I, I do, I get lost in it and mm -hmm. not lost meaning that I go, go back, I forgot, but I mean, just so mm -hmm. into yeah. the book. Uh, and that's the sign of a good book. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it, like the, the two I said I could read over and over again. Now, yeah, they're not young adults, but Tuesdays with Maury mm -hmm. and the five people you meet in heaven. Yeah. I can read those books over and over and over again. And it, it just, I don't know. I, I can put... There, and the legend of the fairy stones. <laughs> <laughs> there, there have been times when I've been, I've been like, doing my dishes or cleaning the house or something and I'm just like unsettled I'm oh I'm so worried about this friend of mine that's going through some really tough things and about 45 minutes into this worry fest I realized oh that was the book I was reading it's not a real person <laughs> I'm okay. my daughter does that I just <laughs> oh god she'll come up and she'll start talking to my, my wife and I and going on and on about this person and you know, how they did this and I'm like did you tell one of your teachers what I said tell somebody I said excuse my language I said but this person needs an ass whooping dad it's in the book I, said, I didn't know the way you're talking are you making it seem like it's a real person but they are they well, are real that. people <laughs> she found one of the books because she loves the right too and that's what that's that's what it was. It wasn't a book that she read. It's one that she was writing and stopped writing, and found because she was writing it on her iPod or whatever. Found her old iPod and, and opened it up and said, "Oh yeah!" And she comes in and starts telling us this. And I, I mean, I, you could see my face just burn, turning <laughs> red because I'm ready to open up a can on somebody. Well, that's going to end up in the book now. I, you know what? I hope it does because I mean she. She loves to write, and one of the things I've always told her, um, her and her friends, they, oh God, I'm going to get the name of it wrong again. It's a website, Wattpad? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And they love to write on that, but if they don't like it, they delete it. Mm -hmm. And I've always told my daughter, I said, don't delete anything you write. Mm -hmm. Save it, because you may go back years later and say, oh, you know what, or you can use it for ideas. Yeah. I, I, I'm probably creating 
you know, future hoarders, but, you know, when I, when I do school visits, I, I tell kids, you know, save your stuff, you know, because yeah. you never know, someday yeah. you're going to, like, rediscover it and say, oh, that was so cool, that was a great idea, and I want to yeah. do something with that. Now, I well, went back I, to something from, like, 20 year, 25 years ago that I had written, um, and I totally redid it, and I updated it, and yeah. I've been working on it, actually two things, and they were, you know, from so long ago, but I was able to kind of come back to them and take what I liked out of them and change them compl almost completely, but the, uh, the kernel of the idea was still there. So I'm trying to sort of, you know, really make it, make them good at this point. But yeah, it it's definitely worth it to hold on to it because you could come back to it with a whole different mm -hmm. perspective down the road. Even, even if 95% of it isn't salvageable, exactly. you know, I'd be like, okay, yeah. well, this character is right. cool. Exactly. Or, like, yeah. or even, even yeah. just this turn of phrase right. that I use. There's you something know? Yeah. there. Yeah. Well, something. young lady that I had on, well, Molly, gave me um, a great idea because one of the things I always got on my daughter, I believe in pencil and pen or, you know, or paper. Write it down. And she likes to put the stuff on the computer. Well, I work on computers. I know how they work. If it crashes, everything's gone. But Molly said, no, have her email it to herself. She's mm -hmm. like, ooh, yeah. never thought about that. Mm -hmm. yeah, especially if you're using Gmail or whatever, it's always Well, there. now you can save stuff to the cloud as well. Well, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I save my, I save everything in like 12 different places because <laughs> I'm always afraid. <laughs> I've got four different external hard drives and a thumb drive and a cloud and... And I email it to myself. <laughs> and it's funny because as if I don't have enough to do, um, I started writing a blog this year. And um, because with the school visits that I do, I talk a lot about all the really cool stuff that I've mm -hmm. got to do. But in my presentations, I only have an hour. And I probably have, you know, 20 hours worth of material that I could pull from to tell interesting stories. So I'm, I'm going back to, like, neat things that I've done in my career that really, oftentimes I'd be working for a company to do something in-house, only the people in, in, you know, the marketing department see it. Um, and so I'm, you know, telling little stories about the stuff that, you know, to finally get it out there that people can see it. Or stuff that even people did see, like I did a, a illustration for a Golf Digest uh, cover once and um, so I got the photographs of that um, illustration that I did and just did a whole blog piece on it so I'm just like you know finding outlets for you know now do you all have blogs or vlogs I blog yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah I don't maintain it very well but I have it I used to be much better at keeping my blog updated before I was uh, running the read local channel. <laughs> yeah. Well it's a lot it's hard to do a blog with one of those pencils too. You gotta, you gotta take yeah. it off. So. Yeah. Are you speaking your blog? You know, like with the recording the you know, you could speak uh, in your like email or machine. Google yeah. Voice yeah. or whatever no, they call I, that. Do you I, all write or type? Yeah, I or? just write. I, I have like WordPress based blog but it's a part of my website and I, I have like three different themes going. One is just like what it's like being an author and just like kind of like these kinds of things, podcasts, interviews, appearances, you know, like what that was like, what I learned, not just what people learned from me. Another is um, just my 
personal history uh, from being from Russia and how it connects to today's events. I like to blog about that sometimes. Sometimes I blog about being a teacher and sometimes I spotlight my uh, author friends. I went to, I got a graduate, a master's degree in um, MFA in writing from Vermont College of Fine Arts, writing for children and young adults. And we have an amazing program there that like a lot of my friends are now getting published and I like promote them. So those oh, wow. are the kinds of things that yeah. I do in my blog. Yeah. Now, and when's your first track drop on Spotify or iTunes? Huh? <laughs> yeah, that's that I gotta work on that. That may have to be my next project if you guys keep encouraging me like that. Okay. Raindrop and DJ. Oh wait, who's gonna be your DJ? <laughs> yeah, I have a blog too. I actually interviewed Tim for my blog, and maybe I can interview some of the rest. I see that. Oh, you could be great idea. Yeah. I mean, I what I do is I interview other authors about their books, so it's a cute book. Author Q and A site promoting each other. That's yeah. a great idea. It's yeah. a Johnny Carson effect. I always used yeah. to call because yeah. Johnny Carson was the interview. He yeah. got credibility. Yeah. Just from interviewing and putting yeah. other people in the spotlight. Yeah. No, so, and it's yeah. great for me because I learn a lot from everybody that I'm interviewing. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and we know the right questions to ask because yeah. we know. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Raindrop's going to have all kinds of stuff with my character now. Yeah. <laughs> Can't wait. I'm going to go home and start working. <laughs> I am in trouble. Do any of you have anything to add besides telling people to do the Relocal Challenge and buy your books? Oh, yeah, buy our books. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. If you, can't, if you can't afford to buy the books, libraries love to get suggestions. Yes. Yes. For you know, mm -hmm. suggest a purchase to the library. Yes, request it from your library. Re oh, yeah. just, yeah, just yeah. request because, the title from the because library. Because libraries you know they've got this limited budget and they want to spend their money on books that they know their readers want right. and so if you suggest the books you have a, a very high chance of getting the library to buy it and then you can read it from the library do you have people contacting you saying they wish they could get your book but they can't afford to purchase it mm -hmm. you do yeah. yeah all the time people request books. oh yeah lots of time all but they the time. can't afford it yeah yeah, and, and unfortunately, a, a lot of people think that authors just, you know, we, well, first off, they think we're rich. You know? Right. Um, right. You're not rich. Yeah. <laughs> and, not and a lot of times they, they think, think we get our books for free. But we get, like, yeah. ten copies of our book for free, and then we have to right. purchase the rest And it depends on, depends on the publisher. I have a friend who got one copy. Oh, right. Wow. And, and so what I, I always suggest <laughs> to people is, you know, I mean, buy my books as cheap as you can. Find them, you know on Amazon when they're cheaper right. or find them at a, you know, buy them used if you have to. But um, it's, uh, you know, but, but I do a lot of work with charities myself with my graphic design work, but I can't afford to give it to the charity. Yeah. But there are other people who don't have talent who just have money. So I always suggest find people who have money to donate the money to then purchase the books that you want to purchase. Well, Cause that, yeah, because that's what I was thinking. You know, something for us, like if the Lions Club or the Leo's, if you guys can somehow know, well, we I guess you wouldn't have to give us things, but if we could just, I mean, I'd be the fundraiser to buy the books like we do with the homeless and the clothes and the socks. Why not books to give the people that can't? Um, I mean, we do a lot with yeah. the homeless, and that's one of the things and I know. You, we could even set up an event where we bring in some of our authors to do, you know, to sign those books. Well, we do. I, I I've actually been talking amazing. about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I helped set up a book festival in, in Easton where I live. Uh, the Chesapeake Children's Book Festival, and we bring uh, between 25 and 30 authors to Easton to the uh, public library 
uh, every June. It's their kickoff to their summer reading program. Mm -hmm. And as part of the festival, we raise money from local businesses and, and, uh, and people who want to donate. And we give away about 300 books to kids who come in and sign up for the summer reading program. So any kid, you know, regardless of you know um, right. who they are, or they don't even have to come from the county. As long as they sign up for the summer reading program, they can walk away with a free signed copy for many of the authors that attend. Now, would something like that have to be held at a library? Doesn't have to. No, it could be held anywhere. Our because like our library is not that big. No, we just we happened to partner. You know, we approached our, uh, the Talbot County Free Library, and they they were excited about you know having it. Right. And the first two years we had it at the library. The third year we moved it to another building, although the library still was part of it, um, uh, to, to join another festival. It was because it was Frederick Douglass's 200th birthday, and we were having two different events on the same day, so we decided to combine them together. Um, and then this past year, summer, we moved back to the library. And, okay. and we've, you know, so we've given away thousands of books, and we've had, every year we get 500 more visitors than we've had the year before. We're right. to almost 3,000 people came this year. So, so I, th I think, Doing something like that, uh, you know, like especially Halloween, I'm thinking <laughs> trunk or treats. One yeah. of the things, I'm sorry, and even with Easter, I don't like to give out candy because it just means higher dentist bills. Um, but to give something, you know, like a book to a kid, I think that's something that's always going to be there. Yeah, mm -hmm. the candy gets eaten, the wrapper goes on the ground. The book's always there, and they can always read it later, and hopefully, as they get older, they're passing it on to their kids and all that. I um, give books away every Halloween. Do you? Yeah. At your house? I give books away every year. That's I don't give any candy. I have boxes and boxes of books that I give away. Well, see, I'm, I, I'm guilty. I do give away candy at my house, but I think we give away more food and beer than anything. Not to I'm kids. coming to your house. <laughs> that's what we do. That's what we do. Every Halloween, Lunchtime we, we grill careful. out. We got, we, I think last year we had 25 kids and probably 100 adults. Everybody knows in my court, hey, Bennett's out there grilling. They got food and beer. Let's go. So, nice. oh God, I just told the whole world this. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> my wife's going to kill me now. Jeez. But no, seriously, because something like that, and even with, you know, Christmas time, um, I got, what is the website again for the organization? It's on the, uh, it's on the back flyer. of the flyer. Oh, it is? I guess we could read it out loud for, for the listeners. It's mddewv.scbwi.org slash read dot dash local. This will be the first podcast that I have more websites than you saw. And that's okay. I don't mind at all. So I want to thank you all for coming on. And if, if possible, can we do this again next year? Love to. I, I, that sounds I, good. I yeah. would love to. And Kelly, thank you for... Oh my God! When we asked her, when she was on, and she mentioned this, it's like, oh my! I think Lyle said, "Why don't we get everybody in the round table?" What was it within a week you emailed me? Yes. It's like, <laughs> holy well, cow! Well, like Tim was saying earlier, as when you become an, a published author, you also have to become a self promoter. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. a. It used to be that publishers would market your book. They would have a budget for marketing authors' books. It's not like that anymore. They fully expect the author to commandeer the uh, marketing plan. Um, wow. Well, like I said, definitely come on next year. And, and you know, I my goal is to 
get the word out about whether your author business, which you, your case is, you're both the author and the business owner, uh, nonprofits and all that. It's, I mean, that's my big thing is pushing local. So, and yeah. I gotta Yay. not just sit, not just shop local, but read local too. I like yes. that. Mm. So, again, thank you guys. If you want to come on the uh, Hartford County Living Show, it is free to come on. I encourage you know anybody you know to come on, and even if you don't own a business, if you're not an author, artist, or whatever, even if you just want to tell your story, everybody's got something interesting about them. Uh, even Brian, you know. So when you figure it out, let me know. But again, it is free to come on. Just give me a call 443-982-0250. Or you can go ahead and email me at podcast at harfordcountyliving.com. Thank you for listening to this episode of Harford County Living. You can actually go to harfordcountyliving.com and click on podcast. And from there, click on the episode and there are links to our guests and our sponsors. And I encourage you to please, please visit them. Again, that's harfordcountyliving.com and click on podcast. Also, you can subscribe to the podcast from there as well. You also see a banner there that says, buy me a coffee. And if you click on that, you can make a contribution to the Harford County Living Show so we can keep this going. You can do either monthly or you can do a one-time fee. And what we're going to do at the end of each episode is mention all of those that have contributed so far. And so far, the ones that have made a contribution through buy me a coffee are Robin Burke, Law Garrity, and you've heard him on the show several times, Carol Garrity, Rhonda Herb, who was actually listening up in Canada, Kathy, Cindy Skilton, Natalie Forrest, someone that's anonymous, of course, Mal Grisada Baker, and we have a monthly supporter, Recreating Wellness.